And welcome to the first lockout episode of 216 Baseball, Cleveland Baseball Podcast. His name's Alex, my name's Paul, and if you're ready to go through this shit storm in an offseason together, then you're in the right spot. Let's get into it. Hey, Alex, what's going on, man? How you doing today, brother? I'm doing great. I get to talk baseball with you, man. First, Yeah, first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, early bird special. Whoops. Forgot <laughs> top to of the morning to you. Yeah, top of the morning. Top of the morning. <laughs> Let's get this shit. Yeah, no, I'm doing great. Uh, how are you, man? Sick. Yeah. As fuck. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm feeling a lot better today. Uh, still a little congested, so if I sound nasally, I'm sorry. Um but better, better. I should be able. I should be cleared to go back to work uh, Thursday. Okay. So, uh, yeah, doing. I'm surprised that. I'm, so I'm remind everybody ground. who maybe didn't see it on Twitter. You have the Omicron variant yeah. of COVID. So I'm pretty sure you're like the third person in the country to get it. Yeah, which I I didn't see my paper results. They just told me it over the phone, so they could be full of shit. It's it's Navy Medical, so take it with a grain of salt but yeah it's still man i was worried about you i mean i know you're built different and if you don't mind me saying so i know you're vaccinated but uh it's it's still you know it's still scary that you got it that's your second time my wife and i had it once taylor and i had it once in october of october of 2020 before uh vaccinations obviously were even available yeah. to us and that, that was not fun it had me down bad for like two weeks and i didn't fully recover for about a month just it's not a so joke. the 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 first time i had it i got my first round of vaccine and then like three days later uh someone that i worked with was like oh by the way i tested positive and uh they're I like well, now, you go get, now you go get yeah i go get tested and uh I was feeling like shit because I thought it was just a side effect of the vaccine. Yeah. And uh, so Taylor and I, I were talking positive. about this last night. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Like I couldn't. It's like in my head. I remembered you had it already once, but I couldn't place when you got it because like it was everybody in basically January. Yeah, has had it once or twice now. And so I was it's like it's like baseball card stats. Like, when did you get it? Yeah, and I. I was like, she thought you had it at the beginning. And I was like, I don't, that, I was like, that kind of feels right, but it doesn't. But now that you're telling me that you had it earlier this year, that, like, obviously that's the truth. You just told me when you had it. But that sounds way more, like, correct to when you had it. And I knew it was around a weird time because you had just gotten vaccinated, thought it was part of the side effects, but you had gotten COVID right after you got vaccinated. And then I I had the two weeks of quarantine. And then after the two weeks of quarantine, I had to get the second dose. And then I felt like shit after the second dose, too. Yeah. So people ask me, like, what what, were the side of like how I felt after the vaccine? I was like, I'm not the person to ask because. Yeah. See, we already had it completely unvaccinated, you know, unvaccinated at the time. Yeah. And then um, 
Well, we got vaccinated. It seem, it could be anecdotal, but it seems like it's not that a lot of people that already had it didn't have as much of a side effect. It basically didn't do anything to us when we ended up getting vaccinated. We had like no side yeah. effects. So it is what it is. But anyway, um, we got a lot to get into. Like you started it out by saying the lockout um, has begun. But before that, Paul, I got to say, I think we both are just roaring to kind of talk about this. That Yeah, I, we're both flabbergasted. Yeah. Uh, that tickled pink, taken aback, flim flam, <laughs> bamboozled, hoodwinked. So a giant to anybody that's listening, a giant thank you. We say it all the time, and believe me, we mean it. Uh, yeah. But somehow we mean it a little bit more on this Monday morning. Because not only have we, what, we've grown by about 250%, I Probably, would say. Probably, something two, like that. Two and a half, pushing almost three Almost three, three hundred percent in the last three or four episodes. So thank you so much. Especially you're the returning. nerd. You're the numbers guy. So that's all you. Yeah, you know me. I'm acting like I don't know the numbers when I do. Uh, I think it might be three point one four repeating, of course. <laughs> like, but uh, the other day there is a a way to see kind of uh, charting. It's called Chartable.com, and I had set up an account. Uh, probably a few months after we started this and we were never charting because why would we right and the other night i was laying in bed and i just was not ready to go to sleep and uh my two dogs and my wife were dead asleep already and i was like you know what i should log back in and see that and let me tell you it was hard to go to sleep afterwards because i saw that we peaked on i believe it's just apple apple podcast that it's tracking i want to be honest pod but we were peaking a couple weeks ago at the 93rd most popular baseball podcast um, and that's not in Cleveland bod- podcast. That's all baseball podcast. Just yeah. the word baseball, like baseball podcast and everything that falls within that. We peaked at number 93 and we've been trending in the top uh, within the top 250, more in the two, top 200 to 150 um, honest pod. But I mean, even to be in that top 250, I mean, we never charted until like the last month, um, month, yeah. and 45 days. And to be there, um, Holy shit. Like I, I yeah. mean it's made my whole year. Like to 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 think that yeah. we and what what's what's crazy is I, I do a lot of uh I guess like watching videos on uh people that have podcasts, not not baseball podcasts, but podcasts in general where they they offer advice and the biggest thing that a lot of people say is that don't 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 start it as something that's to be big, started as a passion project. And that's literally all what we did. We, we started this mostly for ourselves, just to have fun, to talk about baseball, to give us a reason to hang out a little bit more. Uh, being in like, what, 800, nine, 900 miles apart. Yeah. Um, and, and just to sit here and talk baseball with your best friend. And to be able to uh, share that with, the amount of people that were able to not, not only here, but on Twitter and social media as well uh, is a, a blessing. And it's something that we joke around and, and we have fun about, we don't take it lightly. It's, it's something that we honestly enjoy doing. And uh, yeah. the fact that we're able to do this, not just weekly, but every day, uh, is is something that doesn't go unrecognized with us yeah so just thank you so much and and we're still we're not big we haven't made it big we're not pretending that we have yeah but just to 
to put in a lot of stuff and to care about it, which we hope comes through how much we do really, really care about this. And then to be rewarded, just personal pop, you know, just being stripping it all back, right? Landing all our cards on the table to put a lot of stuff and then obviously get that is just the most rewarding feeling in the entire world. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it literally feels like the most surreal thing ever. I just can't even believe it. So thank you so much. We hope you continue to enjoy everything. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff kind of planned. Next time's going to be episode 50, which feels like a milestone one. Like, Oh, 100% it's a milestone. Yeah, and we got something a little fun. I think we're going to draft something. We'll keep it a secret for now. And yeah. we'll try and get you through this boring, boring winter and give you all the news you need. And then eventually we'll make our back, our way back around. Like we talked about, the bread and butter is in-game analysis. That's what we do best is breaking down you know, a week's worth of baseball. That's that's the bread and butter, and you guys are hopping yeah. on now. So we're just tickled to death. <laughs> Whoops, just wait. Yeah, wait till I get my summer body back. It's over, I know. you bitches. <laughs> Hop, so, on, hop on the back. We're going to the promised land. Let's go, baby. We are. So if you, so let's talk about the lockout. We're going to do it, I think, one time. And then we'll give you updates as they, they leak and they posture and all this bullshit, right, continues. We'll, we'll, we'll add some color commentary, but we need to set the base ground. But it's not going to be the focus of every episode, um, only when news comes up, because it's exhausting. Um, again, most of it's bullshit. This is going to go on for a couple of months um it, it, did i say it was exhausting three times because i don't know that that's enough it just it is it's exhausting like, yeah so on thursday uh 1201 a.m i before before you start i feel like this is a lot of like you know what it feels like like high school drama yep 100 percent. but between between like two people and we both went to a very small high school so there was a lot of drama yep um but it feels like we're just on the outside looking in at like out at, at like a couple that broke up and they're like trying to come to terms to get back together but one of them cheated on the other and everyone's oh, wow. like yeah i i mean let's be honest like, stacy got finger blasted under the <laughs> that's honestly what this is starting to feel like and it's it's like one of those things where it's like this is literally what we're talking about again like come on I know. Can we just exactly. move on and, like, and listen? Dave definitely got some over the pants action at the movie theater with the yeah. girl. He said he wasn't supposed an OPHJ. To. Yeah, but <laughs> but Stacy also got finger blasted by the wrestling team. Okay, so like we're both guilty here. Uh, no, yeah, it's it's a lot more on the uh, the commissioner's thing, and we'll talk about it. But that's that that way to lighten it up. That's that's a good point. So on twelve oh one on Thursday, Jeff Passan tweeted out, and to nobody's surprise. Major League Baseball has officially implemented a lockout. Um, the ninth work stoppage in the sports history has begun. No shocking thing here. Water is wet. Um, you know, the sun is bright. Uh, the sky is blue. The earth is round. All that good stuff. Jennifer Aniston is hot. <laughs> uh, defies the <laughs> defies the laws of time. All that stuff. Uh, Jennifer Aniston does. So, Going to break it down a little bit, did some research Alex style, so buckle in, just to give you a, a little bit of background and then give you some opinion as well. Um, so to be very clear, we obviously know that baseball is a union. There's the MLBPA, standing for the MLB Players Association, and then there's the MLB slash Commissioner's Office, which represents the owners, the interest of the owners, and every... Uh, five years, we come together and we draft a collective bargaining agreement, which is uh, what all unions do. And it basically allows for 
labor, meaning, you know, the baseball season, the players and agreement of how they will conduct said labor. Um, so it's important to note that management implements a lockout, meaning um, that in this case, the owners and MLB feel that they needed to lock out the players from working. It's it's a negotiation and bargaining tactic. So management implements a lockout. Employees and players can implement a strike, uh, which is where they withhold their labor. So it's important because this is a uh, this is a lockout, meaning that management, the owners, and Rob Manfred decided to do this. So I thought thought that was a little point important. Strike would be that the players refuse to play. Which um, that that happened in 1994, right? Correct. Was that the last strike? Yep. yep. When we had that real shortened season, they brought in replacement yeah. players um, to to field, but you know they weren't real MLB players. It was really screwy, and that that would be uh, a true strike, which normal lo- union can do. Um, just like you know, if you're a plumber or you know any, I just go to kind of contractors because they're a lot of them are unionized. Um, you know, you could. You could have a, a lockout, it, for example, would be not literally letting, you know, let's say plumbers into the building. I know that's kind of a bad one because it's not on site. Like maybe a machine shop. That's probably a better one. Like a machine shop union. You know, you wouldn't let them literally into the building. That would You're locking the, you know, the labor. I think nurses out. is a good, it would be a good example. Yeah, but not all nurses are unionized. Oh. Uh, yeah. For some reason, I thought most of them were. No. Um, but anyway, so everybody gets kind of the, the gist of it. So yeah. during this work stoppage, the MLB cannot use players' images or likeness, resulting in uh, the grayed-out profile pictures of all active players on MLB-sponsored or run websites. So the MLB.com, MLB at Bad App, and Baseball Savant, which is like StatCast data, that's all run by the organization of MLB. And if you go right now, any active players that um, are on 40-man, you know, that are on active 40-man rosters, uh, their profile pictures are, are grayed out right now. Uh, they can't use um, the, the name and likeness of those players right now, I believe. There hasn't been a lot of clarity on that, but I'm assuming that's what it is. We don't have a a an agreement, right, to... to there's a work stoppage, and so they can't profit off of that or, or use that. They don't own the players, obviously. So I'm assuming that's why. It's been unclear, but I'd bet quite a bit of money on that. I'm um, assuming the NIL license ran out at the same time what is as it? The, the NIL name, image, likeness. Oh, gotcha. It's like what the NCAA just did, right, where they, where they went through, and now the NCAA has an NIL, so these college kids get endorsements and stuff. Yeah. I'm assuming the way that they have all these these licenses and agreements set up is, is the same that thing. They, like, they they expire. They're all part of the same contract, or they're all set up to expire at the same time. Yeah, I would assume it just falls under the ability to use them. So uh-huh. I didn't even think about nil. Look at you teaching me something. Whoops. Um, and then the players responded to this by changing basically all their social media profile pictures to grayed out pictures of themselves to be satirical. You know, on Twitter, Jose Ramirez put one out, but he left his chain and his hair on. Yeah. <laughs> but he grayed out the profile. But everybody else is, I mean, all over the league, they're just graying it out. And Trevor, all- Trevor Bauer put his logo all over it. Like, which find nobody me for this now. Cares. Nobody cares. Oh, I, I care about I care about Trevor Bauer. Oh, I don't. He's a fucking prick. He's uh, that guy. Just he's annoying. They're not relevant, and he just tries to be cute and stir stuff up. I get why he did that, but for other reasons, he's trying to be cute lately. Yeah, it's like nobody cares. Stephen A. Smith. Nobody cares. Um. So another thing that's important to note is that no transactions can take place in any manner whatsoever. There will be no trades, 
free agent signings or player extensions offered until a new collective bargaining agreement or CBA, right, um, is in effect. Now, it's important to note that minor league stuff can still happen as usual. And your act, fun fact, you're able to let minor people that aren't on 40 mans, and I believe that are in the minors, I believe transactions can still happen as long as they're not on a 40 man. But anybody that's on a 40 man can, uh, that cannot be traded, extended, anything. So I think that's an important to, to note, obviously. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I realized that the other day. Uh, as, as I was doing my research, that that could that could happen, and then I'm also pulling up on MLB.com. If you go there, uh, there's just a bucket of balls because they, it, there's this stupid thing that's like you might notice that the website looks a little different. We're negotiating all this stuff, and you know we'll we'll bring you back to the content you want and all this stuff. Um, and so this is where we'll get into the meat of it. Really, really try to keep it tight. Um, there's a lot of posturing. Okay. And honestly, the when I say the commissioner, I'm just going to talk about MLB and obviously Manfred in particular. But that side, not the players' union. Yeah, they do this the all the whole time. commissioner's they, office. Yeah, commissioner's office. is What we'll say, they can lick my butthole in counterclockwise uh, direction. They, which is always the worst way to lick someone's butthole. In case anyone yeah. was wondering, no experience here, but I can imagine that. That's why it just feels right. So there's an FAQ. And it says, why did they lock out the players? And this, again, is going to be from, obviously, the commissioner's office perspective. They said, simply put, we believe that an off-season lockout is the best mechanism to protect the 2022 championship season. We hope that this lockout will jumpstart the negotiations and get us to an agreement that will allow the season to start on time. This defensive, that's a very key word, everybody, this defensive lockout was necessary because the Players Association vision for Major League Baseball would threaten the ability of most teams to be competitive. It's simply not a viable option. Yet, from the beginning, they have been unwilling to move from their starting position, compromise, or collaborate on solutions. Okay. Uh, That's very aggressive. Yeah. How did we end up at this point? We worked tirelessly over the last several months to find compromise, offering to make the current system even better for players, attempting to address concerns raised by the Players Association. We offered to establish a minimum payroll for all clubs to meet for the first time in baseball history, to allow the majority of players to reach free agency earlier through an age-based system, bullshit, uh, that would eliminate the Players Association's concern about alleged service time manipulation, bullshit, and to increase compensation for younger players, including a historic increase to the minimum salary for players. Okay. Will there be a 2022 season? Yes. Can you buy tickets still? Yes. What happens to the tickets that I already have? Can I get a refund? There's currently no disruption because they're still processing this and yada, yada, yada. The reason I read that, everybody, thanks for listening, was just to set some tone so, for how MLB is viewing this. Yeah. So I what I will say is that if you are not a baseball fan, right? Like like how we are and a lot of our followers are where where you know what's going on. If you were to just read that, you're like, "Wow, these players fucking suck." Yeah. They're all wow. divas. It's yeah, very doing, aggressive. Yeah, they want uh they want everything and MLB's totally willing. Totally willing yeah. to do everything. Why would why why would it's all a load of bullshit, okay? Yeah. And so you come here for the facts. You and, come here to laugh, and you come here for the big facts. Keep at 100. And so the, here, here's the thing, right? At the end of the day, brass tacks, all big fancy words, right, and phrases. Yeah, I love it. You the reason that, up. 
the the reason baseball makes its money is the players. Yep. The the people the the forty the forty guys that go out every day, one hundred sixty two games a season, and perform. That's that's where the MLB makes their money. Yep. Or that that's the whole reason MLB makes their money. If you take those players away, there obviously there's no baseball. So the the fact that they're coming at the MLBPA this this hard is is it would be like ownership and management of a company going to their employees and be like, "Wow, you guys all fucking suck." And they're like, "We just need this, this, and this, and everything will be fine." And they're like, "No, we're not giving you that." Yep. Obviously, the company is not going to run efficiently if your employees aren't getting what they need. Yeah. So, and there's middle ground to be had, but there's just a long. I think this is a good transition. There is just a lot of bad blood that's been brewing for years. Okay, the players particularly felt like the union rolled over during the 2016 CBA negotiations. So that's been brewing for years, where they felt like they got stomped on, and I believe they hired some new like lawyers and kind of the head of the union to negotiate during that time. And then I can tell you right now, the 2020 labor dispute uh, just poured gas all over the fire that was already rumbling. Like after last year's bullshit that the commissioner's office pulled with the season and those negotiations, that already set in stone that this lockout was going to happen over a year ago. Like it was mm-hmm. already set in stone after that happened, that this was going to happen. There was zero chance. The players were already mad and maybe it's at their own representatives that they didn't negotiate how they wanted, but they had five years and then we're going to come back. But last year, what MLB did, dicking around, playing games, all the players says, when and where? That was what everybody was tweeting out. When and where do you want us to play? We're ready to go. Let's do this. And they wanted, you know, pro, pro-rated pro salaries per game of, you just have to give me one-to-one what I would make per game on my salary. And instead, and this is a very important point, the whole union in, MLB, in the commissioner's office negotiations have to be done in good faith, which is a lot of things in life when you look at contracts and are around them. You have to negotiate in good faith or act in good faith, all that stuff. Baseball, the commissioner's office, did not negotiate in good faith last year. They absolutely did not. They they had the opportunity to play 100 games or so, probably. Or a lot more than 60. Way more than 60, objectively. And they drugged their feet, they dicked around, they put their thumbs up their butts, and they because they felt like they were going to lose all this money, and they were going to lose money. I I want to be clear. They were going to lose money. There was no product on the, you know, if they were paying players 100% of their rate, the more time that they played without what they felt like were, you know, fans in the stands, the concessions, a large part of the revenue, they were going to lose money. And so they drugged their feet to minimize the season as much as humanly possible. We could have squeezed in a hundred games. Instead, they played all these bullshit tactics and we ended up with 60. They waited, they waited to respond to counter negotiations. And then they're like, okay, well, let's play 80 games. And they, they knew all along they wanted to play 60 games last year. And so the players got paid what? one third of their salary, a little more than a third of their salary, about 40%. When you look at the prorated rate, because they felt like, Hey, you know, we should, we're just going to lose so much money. And they did, they did lose money. They did. Now, how much money they tell you they lost you. 
that's where I start to disagree. I don't see the books that all, but I think two teams are closed book private organizations, so they don't have to release financials. I think the Toronto Blue Jays are a publicly owned company and they have to crack open the books. And there's one other team. I don't think it's the Orioles. Can you Google that? The two publicly owned teams in baseball. So they said they lost so much money in this and that. And they did. But after they pulled those those games in that garbage last year, there was no chance they that we weren't going to get to this lockout. So there's been bad blood. You find any quick answers? You keep talking. I'll, I'll give it right. to you. Um, so the big things that the players are focused on is service time manipulation, the, competi- the competitive balance of the game in general, such as teams tanking, right? Like the Orioles have been bad now for like four or five years in a row, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. I mean, they're literally losing like 100 games every season. That's not good for baseball. Um, They want the luxury tax threshold raised, which would bring more money into the game, obviously, if owners can spend more. And they want players to get paid sooner, uh, to reach arbitration sooner, Uh, like in basically two years of arbitration instead of three, which means they would become free agents earlier. So they'd basically be under club control for five years instead of six, and it would allow players to come up and maybe test free agency twice in, in their life because or in their career. Because right now, players might not come up till 23, 24. There might be service time manipulation. And if they're studs, they, they're under club control for six years. And then at 30 years old, they go out and they get one chance at a bag in their whole career because unless you're a super, superstar, right? And you bring in a couple hundred million, you know, you get one three for 50 deal, maybe just depending on the quality of player. And then maybe you go back out and get another deal, but that's super rare. So it's basically like one and done. You get one chance at a bag if you even make it there. And, you know, that that people are missing that opportunity is is something that they're really worried about. So Still nothing. Still, there's no like easy. I, I'm I'm doing my research. You just keep yeah, going. Yeah, you're good. It's the Blue Jays and somebody, and it's not the end of the world. Um, they also want to. They also seem to want to reduce uh, the revenue sharing model between owners. Uh, they feel like they're getting pinched there, and this might seem funny at first. Why would you want to reduce the revenue sharing of owners, right? If you're you know, trying to get more money, but they feel like the way it's set up right now, they don't have to reinvest as much and that if they squeeze them on that, then they'll have to reinvest more back into the product on the field, i.e. through, you know, players salaries uh, to generate revenue. And, you know, they put more back into the game to get revenues instead of just banking on the revenue sharing from the name, image and likeness of of baseball and, and everything like that. So that's what the players want. So there's no, like, I think I'm Googling the wrong thing. But uh, a, a good example would be, like, the Packers, right? That The Packers in, in NFL, this is the most famous team that's publicly not, but owned, right? Yeah. Where the the city of Green Bay all has a stake in the team. Can but, I tell you, I Googled two publicly owned baseball teams and immediately got the Braves and the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> You're full of shit. I swear to God, I just Googled that while, like, I, first thing I hit enter and I got my answer. <laughs> I, two publicly owned teams in baseball. Uh, maybe it's just wording. Okay, hey, Goog- now, Google it. Okay, now I, I, I found it. Yeah, the Braves I, it might Blue just Jays. be wording. Yeah. 
But yeah, those are publicly owned, so their books are open. Otherwise, straight up not having a good time. Everything you keep talking, I gotta go to the bathroom. Okay, I love that for you. Um, So now the commissioner's office. Um, This is what's important. We got to understand both sides. The commissioner's office isn't necessarily trying to achieve anything, as much as they're just playing defense uh, to the MLPA MLBPA's demands. Which, like we read, uh, Manfred has come right out and said when he said this is a defensive lockout. Um, they feel that MLBPA is not being reasonable and that they can't meet in the middle. And therefore, they locked out the players uh, because they, again, think that it would hurt this core structure of the game and derail all this stuff. So it's a defensive lockout. Um, overall, I will say it feels like more details will come out in the coming weeks uh, as to sticking points between the two. I just outlined some of them for you. But it doesn't feel like we really know what each side is getting hung up on yet or really looking to accomplish, which, again, might, or at least not specifics. It might sound funny. I just walked you through all these things. But usually you it's more open what's going on. Uh, like last year during the 2020 issues of trying to get the shortened season in, you knew exactly what was happening at all times because the pressure was really on. And that'll happen here in a month or two months as we get closer to potentially hurting and you know running into spring training that'll come up and it, it's going to heat up there's going to be so much propaganda thrown out there people are going to be puppets for rob manfred and reporter and it's just it's going to be exhausting it's going to be so exhausting but i gave a bunch of points there but overall it still doesn't feel like anything more than two people that don't like each other that have kind of said why they don't like each other but it doesn't feel like any meat yet do you kind of agree with shitty that? high school drama. Do you kind of does that make sense, Paul, or am I yeah. crazy? Because I just gave no, all these you make sense, but it doesn't feel like the general person knows. Like right now, they're so hung up on this, or it's just all kind of like bullshit right now. But yep. those are some things that we do know that the players want. Just plain and simple um, is are are those are the the issues that they're going to be tackling, and you know Manfred. To kind of wrap this up a little, Manfred released a long letter that basically blames the MLBPA for anything and everything and makes it sound like it's entirely their fault. So I'm going to just skim a little bit of this, but I can't help myself. To our fans, I first want to thank you for your continued support of the great game of baseball. This past season, we were reminded of how the national pastime can bring us together and restore our hope despite the difficult challenges of a global pandemic. So why did your ween... He's such a wiener. You, we literally could have had 40 more games of baseball. Remember how the country got brought together during 9-11? And fucking, yeah. what was it? Uh, who hit that home run in New York? for the Sammy Mets? Sosa. Yeah, Sammy Sosa. That's who I thought. Sammy Sosa, uh, not for the Mets, but Sammy Sosa. Was he on the Mets? No, he was on the no, Cubs. He was Cubs but he, at the time. Yeah, he was on the Cubs, but they played in New York. Yeah, and remember, like that brought the whole country together. We were too young. To really know that, but looking back, everybody says when he like, ran around the bases with the the small American, American flag, flag because holy shit, chills! I got chills yeah. right now. Just <laughs> let's go, but like just the how much that could bring it together, right? And that they dicked around, and you know we could have had a hundred game season. You didn't give a shit about how it brought everybody together in a global pandemic. In fact, when everybody was at home and terrified, and we could have had this outlet of sports, right? And probably grown the game even more when during that time, nothing was on baseball missed a window the size of like, I don't even know, right? (laughs) Like 
you could have backed a dump truck through the window that baseball had to like get new fans when everybody's at home. You know, people are like, what's on? Oh, baseball's on. And then once you know you get people in the door, people love baseball. It's just, it's marketed poorly and we'll never get to the episode if I go down that route. But fuck you, Rob Manfred. You don't care about any of that. As we began to emerge from one of the darkest periods in our history, eh, our ballparks were filled were with fans. The games were filled with excitement and millions of families felt the joy of watching baseball together. That millions is, why is a stretch. That is why I'm so disappointed about the situation in which our game finds itself today. Despite the league's best efforts to make a deal with the Players Association, we were unable to extend our 26-year-long history of labor peace and come to an agreement with the MLBPA before the current CBA expired. Therefore, we have been forced to commence a lockout of Major League players effective at 12.01 a.m. on December 2nd. I want to explain to you how we got here and why we have this action. Simply put, we believe that an off-season lockout is the best mechanism to protect the 2022 season. We hope that this lockout will jumpstart the negotiations and get us to an agreement that will allow the season to start on time. This defensive lockout was necessary because the Players Association's vision for Major League Baseball would threaten the ability of most teams to be competitive. Bullshit. Holy crap. It's simply not a viable option. From the beginning, the MLBPA has been unwilling to move from their starting position, compromise, or collaborate. Um, and then he goes on. We Let's be honest. Like I said already, right? It, there's so the, much it, in here. The commissioner's office... To a certain extent, right? I'm not saying the commissioner's office should, but the commissioner's office should bend more towards the PA. Yeah. the Because, the like I said already, the players are what make you your money. Yep. Right? These are the people that bring in fans. I don't go to a baseball game like, oh, you know what? I'm real glad my, Rob Manfred gave me this MLB season. Yeah. No, I'm there to watch the game of baseball. And Rob Manfred... You can tell has never played a day of baseball in his goddamn life. Yep. Right? He's just a businessman. So the the idea of them not bending more towards MLB players is ludicrous. They, yep. the, the commissioner's office should bend more towards the MLBPA because these are the people that go out there 162 games a year and perform. They're putting their bodies on the line. They're away from their families. They're, they're the ones that are out there bringing in all this revenue for you. Yep. Without the MLB players, there is no MLB. Yep, exactly. And a really important point is that they – well, I'll get to it in just a second. So that letter goes on, and Manfred says they're willing to do all this stuff. But then in counter articles that I read, like in The Athletic um, – like they said, they offered the universal DH, which means nothing. That was always going to happen. They offered a way to get to, you know, uh, arbitration sooner. And then there's other articles that say, like, no, they're not willing to do any of that. And they told the MLBPA that these were like walkaways. Like, we will not negotiate on, like, getting them to free agency sooner. We will not negotiate on, like, this, like, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. It's so anyway, this long letter goes on and it's all like a bunch of gaslighting and a bunch of finger pointing. And you could probably get the tone both from my satirical um, reenactment and voiceover of the letter. But then in contrast, I'm just going to read this very tight statement from the MLBPA. And you tell me which one sounds more like they're not full of crap. 
The MLBPA put out says, Major League Baseball has announced a lockout of players shutting down our industry. This shutdown is a dramatic measure regardless of the timing. It is not required by law or for any other reason. It was the owner's choice, plain and simple, specifically calculated to pressure players into relinquishing rights and benefits and abandoning good faith bargaining proposals that will benefit not just players, but the game and industry as a whole. These tactics are not new. We've been here before and players have risen to the occasion time and again. Guided by a solidarity that has been forged over generations, we will do so again here. We remain determined to return to the field under the terms of a negotiated collective bargaining agreement that is fair to all parties and provide fans with the best version of the game that we all love. Which one of those sounds, I don't know, more professional, less finger pointing, less yeah. just everything in general? It's just frustrating. Um, the The owners cry poor um, is basically the gist of it. They cry poor. And this and that, and they lose money. And here's the problem with that. So a lot of these team owners own teams just to say they can. Rich people love the ego. And yeah, if I had a couple billion dollars, I would probably own a team too. I, I would, you know, it's just biggest flex ever, right? But no business person that becomes a billionaire <laughs> would buy a team to lose money. That's just not what happens. There's just no way that's what happens. They say, oh, you know, we we break even. If we make the playoffs, we make money. If we don't, a lot of these clubs lose money. Bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way. You think some of these people, hedge fund managers, Steve Cohen is a hedge fund manager, one of, you know, worth billions and billions of dollars dumping crazy money into the Mets. Now that TV deal is probably more aggressive is is more aggressive than obviously um than you know the the Guardians Cleveland deal. Obviously it's a huge market, the Mets and the fans, you know, come to more games and all that. And they do make more money off that. That they make a lot of money yeah. for sure. But if you think for a second that the bottom line is that those clubs would lose money, you gotta get out of here. Like that's such bullshit. And, and the best example I can think of, right, is what three, four years ago, Derek Jeter became the owner of the Marlins. Yep. Right now, from from what I've seen and what I've read, people love playing in my. Well, obviously Miami's Miami, but people love playing in Miami because Derek Jeter's been there. He knows what it's like to be on the field for 162 plus games. Yep. Right. So he gets it. So it, it, it's it would be like imagine playing for playing baseball for an owner that has never touched a baseball field in his life. Yeah, which is going to be most of them. Just to be, yeah, to be fair, as opposed to going to someone that that literally was the one of the best players of his generation. Yep, and one of the best baseball players of all time who who has been there and who has done that and knows what you're going through. I never really thought about that. That's a good point. But then players say, okay, we'll crack open the books and show us that you're breaking even. No, we don't have to do that. Okay. <laughs> you know, so in the background, these, again, because they're all private except for the Braves and, and the, uh, the Jays, they don't have to open the books, but we can cry poor. We can cry poor. And it's not a hate against rich people. I have nothing against it. You're billionaires. I get it. And you can't dump an infinite amount of money into the game. You can't. Like, come on. And... To also be fair, the biggest value that the teams bring is like buying a house, okay? They buy these teams at valuations, everything that goes with the team, the name, image, likeness, everything, right, that generates revenue. 
and they might buy the team for like a billion dollars 20 years ago. It's like a house, right? You buy a house at this 30 years from now, unless something really bad happened, when you pay off your mortgage, your house is probably going to be worth a lot more than it was when you bought it, right? Yeah. Same thing with these. The market value of these teams go up exponentially, and now you bought it for a billion. 20 years later, it might be worth $3 billion. That's Those are just rough numbers. That's a lot of money, as you can imagine. Way more than inflation. And so that's where they make a lot of money, and they won't realize all of it till they cash out. But to to say that year in and year out that this is losing you money, nobody would own baseball teams. There are very few of these people that would be rich enough to operate these teams just solely because they have fuck you money, right? And love it so much, it doesn't matter, that they would lose money every year and continue to use this as a business model and proposition. You don't become a billionaire on, I mean, some of them, it's just handed down, but you don't become a billionaire on accident one way or another. You wouldn't continue to own a team if it was dragging you into the ground financially. If you're investing enough into it, you should be getting the results out. And the way that teams like the Orioles tank five years in a row, the way that the Guardians have a 52 or whatever million dollar payroll, right? When the league average of payroll skewed a little bit by the top end guys that just write blank checks. And I don't like that either, right? That that's, that stuff pisses me off. I think we need a salary cap or a salary floor. But like the average salary is like $125 million, but you have teams running $50 million. Or you have teams like the Rays that do use the system perfectly and have yielded results. But as soon as players get to like arbitration one or two, they dump them when they're going to make a little bit of money. And it's amazing that their analytical team can do that. But under the current model, I think that's the perfect example of what players say is broken. How they're, they're these great players, they come through the system, which is amazing for the Rays, right? They're just using the system they have. But then as soon as they make a little bit of money, they're like, fuck off. You know, we're getting rid of you yeah. in arbitration too. We're not even signing you as free agents. We just don't even want to pay you arbitration too. Give me a break. You know what I mean? And then it's just like use and abuse, get them out. And it's like the, the system's broken. we got to find a way to make sure you know, like a minimum salary floor, something like a hundred million that you have to invest all that. It gets players more money. It gets, it invests more in the field of the game. If you already got to dump a hundred million and you're going to own a team, right? Well, you kind of got to go for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? A hundred million dollars. You kind of got to imagine if we added 50 million to our payroll, right? But yeah, you can, imagine what, how much better we would be. Imagine if the Orioles added 30, 40 million. I'm not saying they're going to win the AL East, but you shouldn't be losing, you know, 110 games. Like, you know what I mean? And, and those suppressions of those players are, I think it does create some of that that spread of if nobody else is going to pl- pay them, but we have big time owners in New York and on the West Coast and stuff that will write these checks, then it just continues to squeeze in those, those small market teams that aren't investing. Um, it's, you know. Yeah, you're going to miss out because you're not going to sign any of these players. It's what we go through all the time. So I don't know. I could go on all day. Um, I read an article in The Athletic, and we'll drop a link to it by Zach Meisel, who we love, because we're going to now bring this all back to the Guardians, and just that's the end of it. We're going to bring it all back to the Guardians now. How does this affect the Guardians? So Zach Meisel of The Athletic wrote an article titled, What the MLB Lockout Means for the Cleveland Guardians. So couldn't literally be any more clear what the article's about. Um, and just some highlights. The lockout means that no member of the 40-man roster can use team facilities, which is tough because the Arizona Spring Training Complex um, serves as a year-round training complex for a lot of the players. Some even live close to the complex in the offseason uh, to utilize the facilities. They're not allowed. They're locked. They literally cannot use that whatsoever. That's mm-hmm. tough, you know? 
those rehabbing currently cannot use the team's facilities for recovery or be in contact with the team's doctors. So um, on the 40-man right now is Nolan Jones, Josh Naylor. Those people can't rehab with the doctors or use those facilities anymore. And during the work stoppage, excuse me, teams and players cannot have contact. So in that article, and again, it'll be linked in the episode's description, um, in that he describes how like Naylor can't run the bases and then FaceTime Tito to talk about it or have him watch. Like none of that can happen. It's just like dead, dead space, nothing. They're not allowed. That's tough. And then the yeah. worst part is he points out Chris Vileka, our new hitting coach, cannot work with the players at all until the lockout is lifted. Our brand new pit or hitting coach cannot work with the hitters this whole time that we're locked out. And it's going to be a while. Now, he worked a lot, you know, as soon as he got hired because everybody knew this was coming. But still, the hitters, he can't be in contact with them. That's it's going to hurt the product of yeah. the game. It's just so bad for baseball. It's so bad. And they're not really going to start negotiating they're just going to keep turning the pressure up the pressure won't be there until it starts threatening the start of spring training and so this i really hope they find a way to get it done in in, you know this month which is a pipe dream it won't happen so maybe january but early february probably is realistically the very first time that you know until you feel the heat under you that you know you got to force some resolution and nothing's going to happen. And we're basically <clears throat> and then ready to you just... start thinking about spring training, March, April timeframe. Yeah. Even earlier than that. I mean, pitchers yeah. and catches report in early February. So like until it just feels like nobody's going to do anything until it really starts threatening the start of the season, which I don't know that it'll get that bad. I surely hope not, but it's just, it sucks that you already know the outcome. That's what's bullshit. This whole good faith negotiation when we already all know nothing's going to happen until like, the pressure really gets turned up to 10 yeah. and they have to do something. So it's just obnoxious. Anyway. <sighs> we said we're going to go over it once and we went over it once and we'll bring up the news, but we got to yeah. lay the groundwork of what's going on here. And yeah. I'm, d- I'm done talking. You go through some of this Guardians news because now I'm just flustered. <laughs> yeah, so... Um... On going through some of this Guardians news on a Monday, um, a divided Cleveland Council uh, was a thirteen to three vote approved uh, a four hundred thirty five million dollar deal to renovate Progressive Field uh, and extend by fifteen years the lease at the ballpark. So we knew the team wasn't going anywhere, uh, but they're there for was- another another yeah. fifteen years. Uh, we knew it was happening. But $435 million is a a, a good chunk of change. Yeah, we knew this deal was coming down the pipeline. And I don't know why uh, it was Cleveland Sports Talk uh, that they tweeted out a divided city council. I mean, 13 to 3 isn't divided. Not super divided. So I wanted to point that out a little bit. But yeah, just formally, we'll be here, you know, extended another 15 years. And uh, yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And then on uh, Tuesday. (laughs) hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Nick Padone. I think it's uh, how you pronounce it. Um, the Guardians put out an official statement about the off-centered sign saying, we're still working through it as if moving a sign. First off, putting up a – how many people have hung paintings in their house? Look, I got shit hanging up. You have shit hanging up in the background, right? Yeah. It's not difficult to take four steps back and be like, oh, wow, that's off-centered. Yep. So I don't know. A lot of you probably have seen the pictures already. The, the Guardian sign that they just put up that, first off, 
fell already. And then well, no, that was off, just the team shop. This is the one literally on the face of the stadium. Like, okay, I thought it was the same one. No, this is but, the face of the stadium one. Okay. It's off-centered by like a good three inches. Like, it's not a little bit. It's a decent bit. It's yeah, not it's, difficult to have someone like stand across the street and be like, nah, take it to the left a little bit. <laughs> no, left. Right? Like, it, it, that's not difficult. Uh, uh, it's just another reason why our franchise is a fucking joke. Well, it's just funny because, like, it was on Fox 8 News and it, like, pops up this graphic and it's in quotation. We're still working through it. T H R U. And someone said, they're like, I feel like Fox 8 News just got like a text back and yeah. it's like, yeah, we could definitely quote them on this because <laughs> nobody meant for this to be like a formal yeah. like, quote that they put out there. We're still working through it. Clearly somebody texted somebody and they just ran with it. So that's, we're just looking great in the media, taking W yep. everywhere. <laughs> so. <sighs> and then also on Tuesday, uh, the MLB non-tender deadline uh, was at 8 p.m. And by that time, every team has to decide whether to offer the players uh, on the 40-man roster with fewer than six years of service uh, time, uh, fewer than six years of service time, a contract for 2022. If a team chooses to non-tender a player, as in not offer them a contract for next season, that player immediately becomes a free agent. Players might be non-tenured for a number of reasons, like if their club thinks they raise uh, that they that the raise they'll get in arbitration would extend or exceed their on-field value, or if they wants to clear or if they want to clear up space for the forty man. Yeah, so basically anybody that's open for arbitration, um, you know, it would get that if you weigh it out and you want some more room on your 40-man, or you feel like paying Bradley Zimmer an estimated $1.5 million in arbitration just is going to make your heart fall out of your chest like it does me, um, that he's going to make $1.5 me, And you decide, fuck it, it's not worth that. Uh, you could just non-tender somebody and basically just say, you're on our 40-man, uh, but we're just literally not going to tender you a contract because you're not worth the raise that we think you'll get, or... You know, we just need the space. And so we had seven players that were eligible that are that are uh, arbitration eligible. Excuse me. Shane Bieber, Framil Reyes, Austin Hedges, Ahmed Rosario, Cal Quantrill, Bradley Zimmer and Josh Naylor. Um, and they tendered contracts to all seven of them. I was upset. I had tweeted out that on Tuesday a bunch that I was like four more hours until we non-tender Bradley Zimmer. I got chills. And uh, the streets liked that quite a bit. <laughs> Paul's giving not me a Paul, baby, <laughs> not Paul. Bradley Zimmer's coming back for twenty-two. All jokes aside, I figured that he would get one. I mean, he's going to make like a million and a half, so they can also reach deal. Not now, uh, but whenever things, uh, you know, the CBA is in, the new CBA is in effect. They could try and find uh, a deal with them outside of arbitration, but arbitration tends to be. Uh, if not perfect, probably more generous than they would get. Um, you know, like Shane Bieber, Fran Neal, people like that. They'll probably get get more through arbitration and and, and test the yeah test the mediators. So, just wanted to point that out on Tuesday that the non tender deadline came up, and there were some players around. Again, they immediately become free agents. So, there's some players that 
You know, they don't feel like they could get enough trade value or there wasn't a lot of trade value on other teams. And they're just like, but we're not going to pay you what you're going to get in arbitration. You're not worth it. There was rumors that like the Yankees might non-tender Gary Sanchez. And it's like, they're just the Good, worst fuck fans. Gary Sanchez. Yeah, that's true too. But like also why? Like, yeah, you could, you, you could get value by trading him if you don't want him that badly. He still has value. So exactly. It, it's but just a, a piece of shit. Yeah, it's just a mechanism. He doesn't know how to throw a punch. It's just true. Yeah. It's just a mechanism. <laughs> yeah. And then you and got then, the last um, one. Yeah, on Wednesday at 5 p.m., just before the deadline, um, the Guardians actually fucking did something. Uh, yeah. Alex, Alex screamed for a, a D-plus uh, reliever, and he got it. Uh, Ariel De Los Santos... Uh, Enyo. Is now Enyo. what? Enyo. That looks like an R from here. My bad. Enyo really De Los Santos. I do. Um, uh, we signed him to a minor league deal uh, with the spring training invite. Uh, he had a 6.37 ERA last season and 35 appearance with the Pirates and the Phillies. So he got his D-plus uh, reliever that he was asking for. Yeah, so I don't understand this. So it's just a minor league contract. Um or a minor league deal. So it's not even... Yeah. It's it's just a minor league deal. So there's not much there. But I don't understand this one. I went out to his baseball savant page. Um, fastball velocity, top 25% in the league. So again, his, his numbers aren't going to do it for you. Like, I when you look at his stats... Um, let me go. So in 2021, he had a combined... Yeah, six three seven ERA in thirty three games. Uh, thirty, he had a one seven three WHIP, and his numbers were almost identical in Pittsburgh and the Phillies since he played for two teams. I mean, not good. And then in twenty, he didn't play the twenty twenty season. In twenty nineteen, he was with the Phillies. He had a seven three six ERA and five appearances. He only pitched eleven innings. Uh, he had a one six four WHIP. Twenty eighteen, he made seven uh, appearances, started two games. He had a 4.74 ERA and a 1.42 WHIP, so there's nothing really in there, uh, at least statistically thus far. So that's why I go to the optics. Okay, what do the what do the analytics say of what do they see in this guy? Right, because he's 25 years old. Um, he's not coming off a great year. He hasn't ever had some crazy year. He's barely pitched. I mean, he's been in the league three years, and he's pitched a total of 45 games and 65 innings. So. Not even a full season, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not a ton. I mean, 72 strikeouts against 65 in a third inning, so not huge strikeouts either, um, necessarily. Eh, a little more in the full seasons. Like last year, had 48 strikeouts in 35 innings. That's a little bit better. But anyway, fastball velocity, top 25 percentile, so a little bit of heat. Fastball spin, he's in the bottom 39%. And max exit velocity. So how hard do people hit the ball off of him when they make contact? He's in the bottom 25%. So they hit the ball hard when they get there, and he doesn't have a lot of fastball spin. So I had to dig a little bit deeper because it didn't make it easy for me. Because, like, why? I mean, we're just taking a flyer, just a minor league deal. And our bullpen, obviously, we DFA'd half of it. Uh, But, you know, what are... Why? You know, like, why this guy, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense. So 
He throws his four-seam fastball 68% of the time, almost 68.5. He's got a slider. He throws 20.5% of the time, and he's got a changeup that he throws 11%. Um, his average, I will say, looking at some of the analytics here on Baseball Savant, he this is a really, you want to get nitty-gritty. This is kind of an interesting stat. In 2021, his four-seam fastball, he threw 477 times. So he threw it damn near I was at sixty percent. We just said that he throws it, and sixty-eight and a half. But yeah, is that what it was? All right, gotcha. Yeah, you're right, sixty-eight and a half. Yeah, because I was uh, like, damn, so close to sixty-nine. True, nice, nice. So some kind of interesting. They they measure vertical movement of pitches, and vertically they do vertical and horizontal movement. His four seam fastball vertically is in like the bottom five percent, or just. I think bottom five, bottom 10 of baseball on average inches a drop vertically at in 1.7 inches. So that's really gritty, but I think that's interesting. So it's like, okay, but conversely, and this probably goes hand in hand, right? While it doesn't move vertically, it moves horizontally. He's in like the top 1% of baseball. His horizontal movement, okay, side to side on his four seam, his average inch of break is uh, 13.1 inches of break horizontally on his four seamer, which is almost five inches above average to the league. Yeah. He's in like the top 1% how much this thing moves. That's pretty much, you're pretty much, for, your four seam is pretty much a cutter. Yeah, I don't understand why they're still considering it that, that his, his four seamer has that much horizontal movement. Uh, like you said, almost five inches more break on average than, I mean, it's literally like in the 1% of horizontal movement in baseball. So his changeup also has no vertical movement. It's actually even worse compared to average. But again, it's going to move one way or the other. It's it's way below average. But then... Um, it's above average. It's not as crazy as his fastball. His changeup is above average on horizontal movement with 16.1 inches of um, average break. So I got nitty gritty there because there's not a lot to talk about, but maybe that's what they see. Maybe they just see something in, in he throws. I'm going to guess that this dude throws kind of sidearm. His average pitch, his average fastball was 94.8 miles an hour. So he's got some gas that no, that's his he, average. I mean, he comes I don't over. Think so. it's, it's kind of like a three quarters, but yeah, that's that's weird. It's just weird. A lot of times, if someone comes, if it's sidearm, right? Obviously, the way you release it, you're you're releasing it more like this, right? Yeah. Where you you can, you can kind of see why it would move more sideways, not up and down. But if you're coming over the top. The uh, the fact that it moves more horizontally, yeah, it's basically a cutter. Down. Otherwise, it doesn't yeah. really make a lot of sense. That was good. That was a good point, Paul. I didn't think about that. I'm like not trying to be sarcastic. I didn't think about the arm slot. That why would the ball move like that? Yeah, or two peas in a pod. So anyway, I said I'd give you if they signed a D plus reliever. Uh, so far, we got Anol Del. Sorry, Eniel De Los Santos. Um, <laughs> And Sandy Leone. So other teams got, you know, the Rangers got Marcus Semien and uh, Corey Seager. But we got Anal De Los Santos and Sandy Leone. So yep. I bet you're fucking jealous. 
Um, and they snuck it in right before right before the deadline there. Uh, so God God is good. But yeah, I mean, be careful you what crazy, you wish for. If you see crazy spin rate, right? You there's something to work with there, especially the pitching factory. But he doesn't have crazy spin rate. He's below. He's like below average on spin. Yeah. So he throws hard. He doesn't have a lot of spin rate, and I guess he's got some movement. I hey, we're gonna trust him. This obviously wasn't any real signing. It's just let's see what he's got. But the optics there, I mean, he's never really done anything. So I don't. If you showed me he threw hard and his spin rate was off the charts, and you just needed somebody like a like a like a like a Mustang, like a horse that hasn't been broken in yet, and we break them in. Not that players are animals, but you know what I mean. Like then I would get it, but this I don't really get at all but, yeah hey we bitched and we get you get what you fucking deserve <laughs> yeah you get what you asked for man so that is the guardians news a whole bunch of absolutely nothing if you couldn't read between the lines we're gonna have to wait until after the cba is done um to see Make what trades. happens and um now we're gonna get into free agent part two we said we would do it uh, we went all the way up to what Corey Seager last time, uh, last episode, as we were recording live. We bro- yeah, we that broke. was breaking news. <laughs> yeah, we got up to Corey Seager, but obviously the night went on. Um, I do want to say real fast, and then I'll let you get into these, and we'll we'll go through some of the stats quickly. That uh, and we don't have all of them in here. I just try to pick names that. Big the names. above average, not even big, just above average people might know the names, or maybe it's someone the Guardians could have been on. Just somebody you've heard their name before. Um, I was surprised because everybody kind of thought that Monday night, right? Because the lockout was going to happen at Thursday, twelve oh one a.m. That Monday night ish, you know, the Tuesday morning was kind of going to be the end of deals because. You have to get a physical, you have to pass medicals, you have to sign everything, and that takes time. And so you'd have to get that all done prior to 12.01 on Thursday. And as you'll see here, deals literally happened through Wednesday. And and those players are going to have to, if they didn't get the physicals done, they have to basically live in a, a you know a box and not go out of the house anywhere yeah. because they haven't passed their physical yet. So God forbid something happens, technically the con- the deal isn't on. So you want to talk about living, living <laughs> dangerous? I woke up feeling dangerous. Living la vida loca. You could sign this deal, and then God forbid you broke your leg, and it, say they materially thought it would you know hurt, or you got hurt if you're a pitcher just staying stretched out in the off season. Um, which I don't think they do too much, right? But you could screw your deal if the physicals didn't get done. So I was really surprised. I thought it was surprising how many went through Tuesday and then Wednesday we still got some deals done. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. So I just thought that was that was very surprising. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Go ahead. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and get into some of these signings or not signings, but Projected signings, I guess. Well, we'll some of these are. Most of them are until like Wednesday-ish. Tuesday, Wednesday. So on Monday night, uh, Jeff Paskin tweeted out that right-handed reliever Daniel Hudson, uh, the Dodgers came to – or they're coming to an agreement for one year uh, worth $7 million. Um, I think they inked that. I think they inked it. Daniel Hudson, you probably remember, he had an out-of-body experience – with, I think, the Nationals in 2019. 
I feel like it was when he got traded. Was it 2019? Yeah, he got traded from Toronto to the Nationals. And he was like their key guy Mm -hmm. all through that postseason run. You brought Daniel Hudson in and he had like one of the greatest performances ever. Um, So good on him. I mean, in 2019, he had uh, uh, he went nine and three as a reliever with a two four seven ERA in seventy three innings pitched with uh, with uh, seventy one strikeouts. He's not quite a he's not a strikeout pitcher, but yeah, one eighty five ERA plus. And again, he led them to that that World Series, yeah, um, and just locked it down. And then in the short season, six one ERA and in twenty innings pitched, so not great. But then he bounced back this year. Um, with the, uh, he was with the Nationals still, but then he got traded to the Padres, and he put it. He didn't do well with the Padres at all, but over overall in the year, three three one ERA and fifty one and two third innings, uh, 70, 75 strikeouts. Okay, he got his strikeouts in order. Damn, that's thirteen point one strikeouts per nine. Uh, one twenty two ERA plus. So thirty four years old. Get a little bit of a bag. Go to the West Coast. That bullpen, you know, the Dodgers are known for it. One year, seven million. Yep, it is what it is. And then uh, also on Monday night, Jeff Pascon, Jeff Pascon, Pascon. It's early, all right. I know. To be fair, you've complete. You not only have COVID, you have you taught your body to be on an overnight schedule because you were working that and then you've been off with COVID. And so now you're reverting back to a normal schedule, but you're also still on an overnight. So yeah. And then on his body doesn't know what it wants. And on Thursday, I'm going back to working overnights. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, also on Monday, he tweeted out right-handed reliever Kirby Yates and the Braves uh, came to an agreement for a two year, $8.25 million contract, including a, 30-year club option worth $5.75 million uh, with a $1.25 million buyout. So this one's important to me because I wanted the Guardians to be in on Kirby Yates. And for that money, two years, $8.25 million, Like, what? Yeah. That's that's four four point what? One, two, five a year for Kirby Yates? Now, he's coming off Tommy John. I want to be clear about that. He signed a, a decent deal with the Padres um, in, what, 2019, and he pitched. So he signed in the 2019. Uh, uh, let me go back real fast. 2018, he's with the Padres, has a 2-1-4 ERA in 63 innings and strikes out 90. He had a 180 ERA plus. And then his age 32 season, 2019, he puts up a 1-1-9 ERA in 60 games, 41 saves, leads all of baseball in 60 and two-thirds innings. Strikes out 101 people in 60 and two-thirds innings. That's a 15.0 strikeouts per nine. Has a 354 ERA plus. A 354 100 is average. A hundred is average, folks. A three fifty four. He had a point three home runs per nine. Paul. He was just. He got Cy Young voting. He got ninth, and they never respect you know relievers in Cy Young. He got ninth in Cy Young uh, because yeah, sixty and two thirds innings, leading all of baseball in saves, and a one one nine ERA. We'll do it. A hundred and one strikeouts in sixty innings. We'll we'll do the trick. Like what the hell? Whoops. 
Yeah. Then he gets Tommy John. So in 2020, he pitches like four and a third innings, and then he gets Tommy John. Um, so he's been out. He missed all of this season and, you know, all the basically 2020, which... Which anyone that that knows baseball is that when pitchers come back from Tommy John, they're usually pretty fucking good. Yeah. Um. Well, historically, not in the first season back. But then if all their shit gets fixed, right, then then they're, yeah. they're decent. So in 2021, by the way, so sorry, 2020, he threw a little bit. I don't think he blew out his arm yet. And then in last year's offseason, he signed a one-year $5.5 million deal with the Blue Jays, blew out his arm, never pitched a single pitch for the Blue Jays, but got that bag. I love that for him. Um, so you're you're betting on you know someone that hasn't really thrown in you know basically two years. But how do you not take a flyer on Kirby Yates for two, exactly for four million a year? This kind of money. If he got like eight million a year or something crazy, sure. Like before he blew out his arm, he literally led all of baseball. He had back to back crazy good years. I mean, why weren't we in in twenty seventeen? He had a three nine seven ERA in fifty six and two thirds innings. And a uh, 107 ERA plus, so not as sexy. But, like, this guy isn't worth $4 million to you? Why weren't... Like, this is a name that was on a lot of people's radar of, let's go take a flyer on him. This, yeah. this one was very frustrating. So... A lot of this is very frustrating to me. Anyway, keep going. I don't yeah. I don't want to get too, too deep. But that's an important one that just really pisses me off. And then, uh, going into Tuesday, uh, John Heyman tweeted out that Javier Baez has a six-year, $140 million six-year contract or deal with the Detroit Tigers. So not only is a very good shortstop slash second baseman going to a team in our division, uh, we also have to see this fuckhead for 19 games a year. I know. He's just exhausting. We talked about it last time. Yeah. $23.33 million for the next six years. Um, and I got to give him credit. 91 games with the Cubs before he got traded. You know, he had a 292 OBP um, and a 775 OPS, uh, which, you know, is above league average, but OPS plus 104. Then he gets traded to the Mets, you know, and he knows he's going to go into free agency. In 47 games, he rips off an 886 OPS and a 141 OPS plus. Yep. So he came alive um, when it counted, in case anybody was wondering. But he had a terrible 2020. 2019, he was an all-star with an 847 OPS plus, or OPS, excuse me, 881 in 2018, 796 in 2017. And the glove is is really good. I mean, he's exhausting. But But his defense is is top tier. Uh, There's not too many like Javi Baez. He strikes out a ton. Uh, like a ton. He led all of the American League or National League with 184 strikeouts. Whew. Um, you know, he's going to hit 260, 270. Low OBP guy, lower, you know, even with that batting average, he basically never walks. He's basically strikeout or uh, double or home run. But he's going to give you mid-8 OPS, mid to upper 8 OPS, and give you, he's got a gold glove in the back. So, um He's exhausting, but when I really look at his stats, 
if you're going to give six years, 23 million, I mean, that's sixth year is a little rough. I think that's why the Tigers bagged him is that they gave the sixth year. I would have given him six, but I'll be honest, Paul, if you could get away with four years at 23 million, you're kind yeah. of stealing them. You're kind exactly. of stealing them. If I'm going to be on, when and you, on, when if, you if look at the, it, not just his offensive numbers, just the defense that you're getting puts out a complete player. The only thing is the strikeouts are nuts. I mean, that's abhorrent. The, the he's never an OBP guy, but it's not like he's, you know, never that he still hits the ball at least. Yeah. It's not just like a Joey Gallo where you have a 200 batting average, but he walks so much that he's got like a 385 OBP and his slugging's nuts. This is a little more. No, he doesn't walk, but he does hit the ball and he hits the ball pretty hard. So if you told me that I can get a player that'll probably put up an eight. 50 OPS and play gold glove defense uh, for 23 million a year. And I only have to commit for six years, not 10 or some crazy shit. I think everybody signs that deal yeah. every day of the week. It's, you know, the so I, I want to give him a little bit of credit. Yeah. And then also on Tuesday, uh, the, all these ones are, are from Tuesday. Uh, John Heyman tweeted out that Clint Frazier gets a 1.5 million plus one million incentives to go to the, the Cubs uh for a year. So yeah. Cubs get Clint Frazier for one and a half million to and if you, maybe two and a half. Yeah, if you didn't listen to last episode, go check it out, episode forty eight, um, which was free agency part one, and we uh Broke him down a lot. Talked about it. We could have taken a flyer on him. I wouldn't hate it. I told you about, we both kind of talked about what do you have to lose. And I'm not mad about this one. I will say in the moment when, and in a second, I'm going to get really mad uh, when we get to these next couple. This all kind of happened quickly and we're, we hadn't done anything and we still did nothing. We signed Anal Del Santos or whatever, right? Who I'm sure is a great guy, but that's not a signing. We did nothing. And mm-hmm. then... When somebody like this for a million five, you can't take a flyer on him for that. Like, but then it's for that money, you probably have to DFA Bradley Zimmer. And defensively, Bradley Zimmer is much more talented than Clint Frazier. And just way, 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 way more talented. But the bad of Clint Frazier. So you're kind of trading six months. I, I think I think Clint Frazier's pretty old, isn't he? No, he's not. I think he's like 20. I bet you he's no older than like 27. And that, I bet you he's, he might be 26. Uh, he's 27. Okay. Look at that. For some reason, I thought um, he was older than that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is no great loss. And then when I really sat on it, it's like, okay, for the same money, you could have someone that might hit better than Zimmer. I, I actually, he would more than likely, especially if his eyes are right now. But he has injury history and uh, he does not play good defense. So, what do we really have to gain? It, yeah. it is what it is, though. But Now, uh, are you ready for the pain train? Yeah, I am. Catcher Jan Gomes and Shadow Cubs are in agreement for a two-year, $13 million contract. Um, yep. Yep. So, there goes... Look, I don't I don't think that the, the Guardians were going to give him $13 million for two years. I don't think that they're going to dish out that kind of money. But it's still frustrating that yep. you could 
have a complete catcher split time with Hedges down the middle for six and a half million a year. Now, I believe there's a third year option as well on this. And people were kind of speculating that's probably why we didn't go in because we don't need a catcher for three years. Yeah. You know, Lava Stita's going to be coming up. Naylor will come up in a few years. You know, we, we don't need something that long. But at the time now, we've had the time to calm down, step away a little bit. But in the moment, everybody's making these deals. We know we're going to lock out for a couple months. And then it's just like we've talked about time and time again in the last few episodes. There are no catchers left. Nobody. This was the one that we had to do because, you know, they said they didn't really want to go get like a Wilson Contreras. Now, pause. We all spun this in our head is that like the Cubs who aren't rebuilding, but aren't going for it next year either. They're they're not like they're going to be competitive. We'll talk about they get a big time pitcher here in a second, Uh, but they're still not like next year going, going for it. So I don't know in what world we all kind of got excited because why they don't need Jan Gomes and Wilson Contreras. And again, Wilson Contreras on a one year, he's got one year left on that deal. And so we all started getting hyped like, oh, shit, we might actually make the Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras trade, which God is good all the time. We won't complain anymore about that, because what world did this Cubs team need Wilson Contreras and Jan Gomes behind the dish? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why why would you need that, especially when you can get value out of him? who's only there for a year and like do a two for one that we've been screaming about. Everybody on Twitter has of Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ for one of our 14 middle infield, you know, a couple of our 14 middle infielders. And we take that cash off their books. Um, so we're just going to pray. We're just going to pray. That's what we're yeah. going to do. The, the, if you're going to say anything about Cleveland sports fans is that we're hopeful. Yeah, it's just painful. We've been yep. down this road too many times. It's just, if he went to any other team besides the Cubs, I would have driven to Cleveland and, like, did the, what, the Andre, the Eric Andre thing. Like, shake Let it me on the in! Table. Let, Let me in! I would have literally gone up to the front office and punched somebody in the mouth. Like The Eric he, Andre show, if you guys haven't watched it, it's a, a very specific type of humor, but it's fucking hilarious and definitely recommend it. It's just if hmm, if he would have went to any other team besides that exact team, that means that maybe we will go for the Wilson Contreras trade. I would have lost my mind. So that's that's that. But and then moving forward a little bit. Uh, Roberto Perez gets a five million one year deal in Pittsburgh, so not going too far away, but uh, going to a very bad baseball team. Yeah, and you know, good for him. He gets five mil. That's less than the option was going to be for us, and and we knew yeah. that they. We already talked about they just traded Jacob Stallings. Uh, the one of the you know he won the Gold Glove um, in the National League for the catcher position and just a very promising young guy with a ton of control. He goes to Miami. So they need somebody. They need somebody to be behind the helm, a very a strong defensive catcher. Obviously we know he's not what he used to be, but uh, I'm still happy for him. They're going to get yeah. a, a guy that's going to call a good game and help some of these young pitchers come along. And I totally see, you know, one, they needed a, a, a catcher. 
And two, it'll probably help, you know, if Robo's not completely broken down, this will help him reestablish some value. One year, five million, get get some money, play, play every day, um, more than likely. And it's just a good fit for all sides. So Yeah. But I need to point out that's another catcher off the board. Like I'm not joking. I, I it sounds like a I know you know that, but it's not it just feels like a running joke, but that's another catcher off like quite literally, that's basically him and Gomes were you basically have to trade for Wilson Contreras now. Sandy Leone cannot be our backup catcher. Like the 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 options are off the table. Like unless they do something dumb and call someone up early, but Lava Stita is nowhere near ready. Yeah, you know, unless I mean? you're just gonna it's throw just... him into the fire, which I hope not. Yeah. So I don't know. It is what it is. And then also to just kick a man while he's down, the Marlins send catcher Jorge Alfaro. To the Padres. Um, yep. So they, they take over, the Padres take over that deal. There's another catcher, which wasn't really on anyone's radar, in my opinion. That's uh, a also little bit. Gone. We knew that he could get moved, but that's just another chess piece off the board. Like, again, just insult to injury. All these catchers happened. Like, it felt like, I think, I don't remember at this point, but it a lot of these just ripped off in a row. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty crazy. And I think people knew especially when they got Jacob Stallings, who's going to be their everyday catcher, you know, for a minute here. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. Alfaro is uh, second year ARB eligible, and he's not even a free agent until 2024. So the Marlins would have had like two primary catchers, but they knew they might try and move him, especially when they got Stallings. Um, and yeah, I mean, he. He still has a 625 OPS, which isn't anything special in 2021, 624 in 2020, 736 OPS in 130 games in 2019. Whoops. Uh, 2018, a 731 OPS in 108 games. So he's still a dude. Like, yeah. He's I mean, it's not anything incredible, incredible, but that's a player that we knew might move off the board and all this. And, and he did. So it's, that's one more catcher that got traded somewhere already. Not going to get traded again, unless something crazy happens. And so there goes another one. It's just frustrating. It's basically just, let me sum this up and then I'll quit bitching. We trade for Wilson Contreras or we run Sandy Leone out there uh, for way too many games. Even if it's one game, that's too many games. <laughs> so it's just frustrating. Yeah. And anyone that knows me knows that this next one gets my rocks off, right? Which it it's not going to happen. There's a chance, but realistically, uh, it's not going to happen. The Brewers non-tendered my boy, Danny V, first baseman Daniel Vobach, the fucking the, the refrigerator on wheels, the guy that can just boot scoot and boogie, um, and right-handed pitcher John Curtis. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach right now is one of my favorite players in baseball. Uh, first baseman. Uh, he's coming off of a hand, hamstring uh, issue that he, he was dealing with from like the, the middle of the season. Um, but when you're that big and you move like that, you're bound to have a hammy issue. Uh, he is stupid thick. Yeah, he's a uh, D-A-N-I... Where is he at? What are you looking for? I already got him pulled up. The uh, just his he's size. a first baseman. Oh, how big he is! Baseball Reference has him at six foot two seventy. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know, man. 
I don't know. He's he's probably a little bit bigger than that. The dude's an absolute fucking unit. Uh, there was this. He made this play this year, um, sl- sliding behind first base, sliding for a bag, popping up, and then getting the out out at first. But it was just so smooth, and the the way that he moved was really did it for me. Repping it for all the thick kings out there. You know what I'm saying? So he's a low, uh, low, low batting average guy. I mean, he was an all-star in 2019 with the, the, uh, with Seattle, right? The Mariners. Yeah. For some reason it looked like SFA and I was like, SFA, I'm a baseball <laughs> reference. So the Mariners, he played 144 games, uh, hit 30 home runs, 17 doubles and took 92 walks. He's a high OBP guy. But he batted 208 with a 341 OBP, a 439 slugging, and a 780 OPS. So there's not a ton. I mean, don't get me wrong, 780 OPS, but you're going to get uh, literally, I mean, his career batting average is 209. That wasn't a weird year. That's just what he bats. Now, yeah. he gets on base at like a 340-ish clip, but, you know, he's, he's a unit and all that. But we have Bobby Bradley. I mean, he could be a depth piece off the bench. I believe he hits pretty well against... Oh, he could be kind of a platoon guy, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, I'm trying to see if I can't pull up his against lefties. Or I, I think one of them, he has a decent spread. I don't know. I don't think I'll be able to find it. But I know how much you love him, and I don't take that. It'd be funny to get him, but yeah. I mean, he doesn't really fit on our team. He's uh, not a particularly I- talented first baseman either. <laughs> Negative four defensive runs saved. 2019, negative six. And he's hurt all the time because nobody's meant to be built like he's built. And move no, the way he does. He is so thick. Yeah. I, I, like I said, it's not going to happen. Uh, we have a first baseman. We have an everyday first baseman. Um, but he's just one of the guys that, for some reason, that I really like. Just one of those guys. Repping it for all of us, uh, all the the thick boys out there. <laughs> um, and then moving on from that, Ken Rosenthal uh, tweeted out that Alex Cobb uh, has done a deal with the Giants for two years, twenty million dollars. So yep. another uh, pitcher, ten million board. a year, big contract. Yeah, and with the Angels, he was hurt. He only pitched uh, 93 and a third innings. Now, he did put up a 3.76 ERA, and they were desperate for pitching, uh, but the Giants went and snagged him. He had a 119 ERA plus. 2020, uh, he started 10 games, 4-3 ERA, 109 ERA plus. That was for Baltimore. Um, and then he was to Baltimore a few years before that. He had a rough, he barely pitched at all in 2019, uh, 2018. He had a four nine ERA, so uh, in one hundred fifty two and a third. So he has pitched a total since twenty nineteen. Okay, now mind you, short season last year, but he has pitched a total of a hundred and fifty eight innings in three years. So not even a full season. So that's that's kind of interesting. They gave him the bag, but you know if they feel like he's healthy now. I mean, it's in there the last couple of seasons, and the Giants have been unlocking stuff with some of these slightly older players. He's 33 years old. Um, he'll be, he just turned 34 uh, two months ago. So happy belated birthday, Alex Cobb. But yeah, it felt a little heavy. Two years, 
twenty million. Eh, yeah, I don't so, know, but that's some Giants, that's some good money. Yeah, the Giants know what they're doing, so it is what it is. And then John Heyman tweeted out: Cesar Hernandez goes to the Nationals for a four million, um, four million deal with a million in incentives for a year. So Cesar is going to be a Washington National. True. I mean, 2021, 96 games with us. He put up a 738 OPS, but that was because, I mean, he had a 307 on base, 231 batting average, but for some reason he had a 431 slugging, which was the highest of his career at any point. Uh, Mind you, that was only for 96 games, but I mean, he hit basically, I think he hit 17 of his, no, sorry, he hit 18 home runs with us. And then 53 games with the White Sox, he hit three. He was on my fantasy team. Um, last year, he put up a 608 OPS with the White Sox. I mean, they basically barely played him there down the stretch, and the defense got sloppy out of nowhere, even though we won a gold glove for us uh, in 2020. Yeah. And he hit 20 doubles in 58 games <laughs> and literally put up a 763 OPS. I mean, he only had three homers, so I don't, you know, we'll see. He needs to reestate. He's only 32 now. He'll be 32 by the start of the season, roughly, um, and he needs to just reestablish some value. It was always strange to me. This is before the podcast. I don't have receipts, but I was screaming when the Phillies let him walk in 2019. I was screaming in my inner circles that we needed to sign him. Uh, he basically hits two, you know, 270 to 290 batting average every year. I mean, he had a bad 2021, but that's what he basically hits, and he's a... Uh, for years on end, he put up a 350 to 370 OBP with the the Phillies, and he played 161 games in back to back seasons. So why not, right? I mean, it's, yeah. he's a leadoff hitter, and he was going to give you some good defense. But and he had a great 2020, and he didn't cost us a ton of money. And then we were able to move him for Connor Pink- Pilkington, excuse me. So it is what it is. You know, we've we've talked about it. So good luck to Cesar. Yeah, wish him the best. Um, and then moving on to Wednesday, uh, these are all deals I got done on Wednesday. Which uh, is left amazing. hand, yeah, <laughs> uh, left-hander James Paxton and the Boston Red Sox are in agreement on a one-year, ten million dollar contract with a two-year club option. Um, Paxton's thirty-three, and, is, and he's coming off of Tommy John, uh, and should be back in twenty-two. So, yeah, I mean. What do they call him? The Big Maple? Because he's Canadian, I believe. Uh, Yeah, he is. So they called him the Big Maple, and he was with Seattle for uh, his whole career until he got traded to New York in 2019. And then he pitched uh, only five games, 20 innings in 2020, and then he got hurt. And then... Did he get traded to the Yankees or the Mets? uh, To the Yankees. He was traded to the Yankees from the Mariners. And then uh, he started his whole career with the Mariners, got traded to the Yankees, and then he was back with the Mariners, but then he blew out his arm, so he literally wasn't even there at, uh, yeah. at all. And yeah, coming off Tommy John, historically, uh, people have done, I'll, I'll shout it out, just to be, you know, John Boy, uh, They've he did all the math, and historically, first year off of Tommy John, like, just the numbers are there. Teams don't do well. So, um, so yeah. But yeah, last year eight one year eight point five million, and uh, didn't pitch. God, how much did he even pitch for the Mariners? And that was their big the reunion. They loved him. Yeah, when they traded him, he pitched one in the third innings. 
and made $8.5 million. So that is one good thing about baseball contracts, fully guaranteed. And then he only pitched, like I said, 20 innings in New York. So he hasn't really pitched since 2019. When And then when he does pitch, he has never put up above a three ERA from 2019 back to 2013 in his debut. Ever. Damn. He's never touched four. He's just going to give you – he has injury issues, but he puts up 150 to one. 120 to 160 innings of, you know, mid-upper threes-ish. He's just a solid dude. So Boston needs him. He's a left-hander. One year, 10 million, just a flyer and a two-year club option, like you said. And we'll see. They might be able to squeeze something out of him. But he's got a bag. And then uh, Jeff Passan tweeted out that right-handed passing – it's no. the only reason I correct you is because Jeff Passan is one of the most premier baseball writers out there. So we, we got to get his name right. Jeff Passan's important. Okay. Uh, I'll fight him. I don't give a fuck. Right-handed reliever. Oh, win. He's a win. <laughs> right-handed, <is. He's... laughs> right-handed reliever Corey Kimball is in agreement. whatever the fuck, is in agreement on a contract with the Phillies. Uh, no, there's no price tag on it um but yeah i can't remember how much he ended up i don't know if they inked that because that was on wednesday and there's so many rumors flying around it's hard to keep up let's see if they uh it doesn't even say it wasn't inked but i want to say it might have been one for seven or one for eight i can't remember the rumors but yeah Corey kniebel uh coming back he was with uh, what was it with the Phillies? The Phillies need help. They have like an all-time awful bullpen, so they need all the help they can get. Kniebel was with the Dodgers, 27 games last year, uh, 25 and two-thirds innings, so he must have been hurt a little bit. Uh, 2-4-5 ERA um, and a 169 ERA plus. Nice. And shortened season, um, barely pitched uh 13 innings didn't go well but it's a shortened season didn't pitch at all in 2019 i'm not sure what happened there uh but 2018 3580 ra in 55 and a third with milwaukee in 2017 with milwaukee a 178 era and 76 appearances which led all the national league damn uh 39 saves and 126 strikeouts <laughs> So he put up a 240 ERA, just no big deal. Um, but yeah, re- reestablished some value with the Dodgers this year, and it's going to get a little bit of a with bag, the Phillies. So. Yeah, I'm sorry, I meant with in 2021 oh, okay. with the Dodgers because didn't have a good 2020 and didn't pitch at all in 2019. So then you know, but he didn't pitch a ton in 2021 either. I don't know. So yeah, it can't taking a little bit of a flyer, but they know it's in there. He's only 30 years old. So. Yeah. We'll see what happens. And then uh, the Diamondbacks acquire right-handed reliever Mark Melikon. Uh, Melanson. What? Melanson. Melanson. Jesus Christ. Oh, nobody could, nobody could get that right. Like, if you're not familiar with the player, yeah. like the name, then. <laughs> uh, two-year, $14 million contract. Uh, I don't know too much about this dude, but Arizona's yeah. a, a dumpster fire down there, so. Yeah, um, he, I mean, he came off the Padres and Mark Melanson led all of baseball in with 39 saves this year. So uh, <laughs> two two three ERA in 64 and two thirds innings and uh, 175 ERA plus with 39 saves. So 
He's pretty fucking good at uh, at baseball. So they just got a lockdown guy, but he's going to be 37 years old. He is an old, he's an old man. So uh, that's why the value is not really yeah. concurrent with the. I mean, that's good money for a reliever, but coming off of literally leading all baseball in saves and that kind of stats, and then he had a good 2020, only 19 or 23 appearances, but still a 278 ERA. 2019, 361 ERA in 67 and a third. 2018, a 323 ERA in 39 innings. As dudes, there's a lot of ones. Holy shit, he is good. 2016, a 164 ERA in 60 uh, in 75 appearances. He led all of baseball. 2015, 223 ERA in 60 in 78 appearances. Holy shit, this guy is good. Yeah, it's pretty fucking good. I mean, his whole baseball reference page is just like... Holy crap. Just a bunch of ones. A bunch of sub-two ERAs. Holy crap, he is good. He's put up a career 13.9 war as a reliever. It's pretty damn good. Wow. Anyway, I didn't realize... I mean, I knew he was good, but holy... I didn't know he was that good for that long. He's a... Monster. Anyway. You done? He's yeah, go look at his baseball <laughs> reference page. Holy shit. Melanson, M-E-L-A-N-C-O-N. Like he's a go look at his baseball reference page. He's a lot better than I thought he was. <laughs> and then um also on Wednesday, Marcus Stroman. Signed a three-year, $71 million contract with the Chicago Cubs. That includes an opt-out after the second season. Uh, he'll make $25 million in 22, $25 million in 23, and then $21 million in 24. It includes $2 million in escalators for 160 innings pitched in 22 and 23. Hey-o. So go out there and get your bag. Uh, I, f- I feel like he's going to fit in well with Chicago. He fit in well with New York. I want to say he's from New York, if, I, if I'm if i remembering right. He is from Medford, New York. So, uh, I'm surprised that's all he got. I'm just going to be honest. Three years of $71 million. Now, you kind of get everything that comes with him, his Twitter account, and uh, he's... He's a lot, but I mean, he led all of baseball. He started thirty games throw, this year. Throw the fucking ball. Yeah, three hundred two ERA in in New York City. You know, for the Mets, one hundred seventy nine innings, one hundred fifty eight strikeouts. Now, the game really, really, really values strikeout pitchers. We know that he's not a strikeout pitcher. He's a ground ball pitcher. I think that's the only reason. Because otherwise, why would a guy that you know in twenty nineteen threw started thirty two games? A 3-2-2 ERA, 184 innings, you know, a 137 ERA plus, okay? So he's shown he can do it, and he win. I think he's got a gold glove. Does he have one gold? Yeah, he's got one good gold glove, but he's a really good fielder as a yeah. as a pitcher. He's a dude. He's been around. Why would a guy like He that, had that crazy just, play this year where he, he fielded it like between his – or like behind his back, was falling backwards, and then fell down, making the throw to first base to get the out. Yeah. I mean, 2018, 554 ERA in 102 innings, so not great. But 2017, 309 ERA in 201 innings. But again, he's a ground ball pitcher, and the game just doesn't value that. Because, I mean, if I rip these stats off, he's been healthy for years now. 
um, and doing it under the bright lights and meeting the challenge. But, I mean, the stats feel like more than a three-year deal. I feel like he would get five or six somewhere, but the game just doesn't value ground ball pitchers the same way. So, But he's still, I mean, that's a bag, three years, 71 million. And he's only 30. He'll be 31 to start the season. After two years, he can opt out, right? So in that mm-hmm. third year, he can go test free agency again, get himself another three for 70. Um, so there's there's still options in there. Yeah. And then is the next one the Japanese player? No, the next one's Chris Taylor. Okay, the one after that you can skip, though. We'll do Chris Taylor and then skip the, the one after that. Okay. Just because um, I don't know who he is, and it's just... <laughs> it's... That's not even on my screen. Oh, did you okay. just add him in this morning? No, I deleted it. I thought I deleted it last night. Oh, yeah, it's not in on mine. Hey, do you have Chris Taylor and then Hunter Renfro? Yeah. Okay, then never mind. Please okay. ignore all this. <laughs> uh, so the Los Angeles Dodgers make a deal with Chris Taylor uh, for four years, sixty million, with a fifty year or with a fifth year option that can increase the total to seventy three million. Yeah, so four year, fifteen mil. That's basically what everybody thought he was going to go for on like fan graphs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, it literally came down to exactly what everybody thought. Yep. He, you know, people wanted Chris Taylor, um, you know, for the Guardians, and he's a hell of a player. He's like a super utility. I think he plays basically every position. It seems like except for catcher and pitcher. Um, been with the Dodgers the last several years. I mean, 2017, 140 games, put up an 850 OPS. Tw- uh, 2018, 155 games, 775. 2019, 124 games, 794. 2020, played in 56 games, 842. 2021, he was an all-star, 148 games, 782 OPS. He's like a 335 OBP up to 340 with higher slugging. As well, I mean, he's pushing high sevens there. Not super sexy, but I mean, one ten to one twenty OPS plus. That's that's nothing to joke with. He got a little power this year too. Twenty home runs, twenty five doubles, so thirteen stolen bases. And again, he plays good defense all over the place. Uh, outfielder, shortstop, second baseman. So good for him. Yeah, he's going right back where he came from, kind of thing, or has played for several years. Yep. Uh, and then uh, the Milwaukee Brewers tweeted out that Hunter Renfro has been acquired from Boston in exchange for Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, David Hamilton, and Alex Benelas. But I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, I don't know. I think he's kind of a nobody. Yeah, so, so an outfielder and two infielders. Um, Which, this is interesting because... Here's the thing. Jackie Bradley Jr. has never been a a bat first guy. He just plays unbelievable um, defense. defense, Okay. And I don't know about those other guys, but I don't think they're even on Milwaukee's big league uh, roster. David Hamilton and Alex Benias or Benias, however it's pronounced. But here's the thing. Hunter Renfro was like a dude, dude for, um, for, the Red Sox this season, 144 games, okay, 31 home runs, 96 RBIs, 259 average, 315 OBP, 501 slugging for an 816 OPS. Like, that's that's not a game. Like, that's 
that's a dude. I think yeah. he's batting somewhere in the one through six, somewhere in there. Um, in 2020, he was with the Rays, 42 games, 645 OPS. That's the shortened season. 2019, he was with the Padres, 140 games, 778 OPS. 2018 with the Padres, 117 games, 805 OPS. Like, this dude can ball. And so, like, I'm kind of surprised. Everybody was like, wait, what? Like, Hunter Renfro was like a staple of the Red Sox outfield. Yep. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what? What? It'd be like if we just gave up Miles Straw. But, I mean, Miles Straw doesn't have that bad. But, like, if we just were like, yeah, we'll just give. It's like, okay. And I don't know about those prospects, but the buzz I saw was like, seemed kind of like the Red Sox got fleeced here. Like you give up a dude that's hurt and also only plays defense and has no bat whatsoever. And I mean, I guess some prospects, but I don't think they were highly touted for Hunter Renfro. Yeah. (laughs) You stick him in right field and you just added a bat and he's not even a free agent until 2024. They get him for like three years. (laughs) Like what? So I'll say this. It feels like maybe they knew that, the Red Sox wanted to go make a big upgrade that people were saying, like, maybe that means when, you know, the free agency market is back up that they'll go get somebody big, you know, big time. But I mean, uh, maybe he doesn't play good defense. I, the ballpark factor clearly helped him, you know, with an eight 16 OPS, he still only had a one twelve OPS plus. So we know Fenway plays funny, but dude can mash. Yeah. And you just let him go. So I don't know. It feels kind of feels kind of weird, but figured that was worth mentioning, nonetheless. One hundred percent. So that is all of the big, you know, people that you might know, people you might not know, kind of deals that got done before the lockout started, and um, now we get to sit here with our thumbs in our dicks for the next couple months. Yep, because. We did nothing. And we talked about the catcher. I mean, outfielder-wise, just real fast, and then I know we got a wrap. I just went to Fangraphs really fast. And I'm sorting by their top, basically, like, 50 unsigned players left. And just to give you an idea, most of the top, like, 50 by war or just in rankings in general, like, the top 25 are basically all gone. Um, There's... You know, Semyon's gone, Marte, Scherzer, Gosman, Ray, Eduardo Rodriguez, Seeger, Baez, Marcus Stroman, Brandon Belt, Chris Taylor, Desclafani, Escobar, Avasayo Garcia, Steven Matz, Marcana, Alex Wood, Alex Kopp, John Gray, Cesar Hernandez, Raciel Iglesias, Leori Garcia, Rich Hill. I mean, that's getting into the top, like, 50 now, those last few, but there's a lot of big names there that everybody probably recognizes. Yeah. And so... When you kind of look at that first 25 page of listing, they're almost all gone. Uh, So Carlos Correa is going to have to wait until after, and he was clearly comfortable waiting. Uh, Carlos Rodon, who had an incredible year uh, coming off injuries and stuff for the White Sox and just balled out. Freddie Freeneman, who kind of strange when all those deals were just getting done right before the end there, didn't just get it done with the I think Atlanta and him are both... Like, under the, they're like, we're going to sign you. We're not in any rush. Yeah. But when all those ones are getting done already and you get to go into Christmas and know that you got a bag. Um, 
It's just interesting. Nick I don't think I don't think Freddie Freeman's worried about money. No, he's not. But whether it's the Yankees or the Braves, somebody, I don't know. Uh, he's going to get it. It's just surprising he didn't get it already. Nick Castellanos, Chris Bryant, Trevor Story, Clayton Kershaw, Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Seeger, Jonathan Villar, uh, Nelson Cruz, Colin McHugh, who's a reliever I'd really like us to do like a one-for-five deal on big time. Anthony Rizzo. Can I just say something real fast so that I promise we'll wrap up? Because you know I love getting going about players. Anthony Rizzo is projected to get by fan graphs, which is pretty pretty close. You know, usually it's it's in the realm. Three for forty-eight. You sign that deal every fucking day of the year if you're the Guardians. Every day. You do it twice. You do it on Sunday too. Yeah. Like three for forty-eight for Anthony Rizzo. He's come down a little bit on some of the stats. He plays a great first base. He is, Paul, I know you'll love this. He's the definition of a clubhouse guy. Like the definition of, he picks everybody up around him and makes them better. Every single person. Every person. Like, he's the definition of a clubhouse guy. So, you get good defense. You get an amazing club. I mean... Back in 2015, 10 defensive runs saved at first. 2016, 13. 2017, 12. 2018, 6. 2019, 5. 2020, 4. He had negative 6 this year, but, you know, that could be a little screwy, not to, like, preach it all. But he's a great first baseman defensively. And, I mean, he's not what he used to be, you know, Anthony Rizzo, but he's still projected to play 138 games, hit 26 homers, 257 average, 354 OBP, 463 slugging, a 122 weighted runs combined plus. So you're telling me for 16 mil a year, you get an incredible clubhouse guy, a great defensive first baseman, which I know we have Bobby Bradley, but come on, like Anthony Rizzo, give me a break. Like, yeah, it's Anthony Rizzo. And he's also going to put up like an 830 OPS for me. And you can get that. Like the league for some reason is like checking out on him a little bit. It feels like he's not going to get crazy money. So, I mean, he doesn't hit the ball as hard anymore, but he takes his walks and he plays good. De- I mean, that's not a lot of money. Like, we should be in on Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, you're not so, going to hear I, me complain if we sign Anthony Rizzo. Just It's just one of those things out there that he's not linked to anybody yet at all. I know the Yankees really liked him and all that, but, like, Andy's a lefty in the bat. So, yeah. I mean, damn. I know we won't, but just just one of those people out there that's worth mentioning, I feel like. Oh, 100%. Anyway, I get all riled up about... You're always all riled up. I'm always all riled up about the lockout and free agency. So we're going to have to wait. We talked about it. We're going to have to wait until probably early February. The market will literally go from dead stop. To just smash that motherfucking yep. like button everything's and at, play button. Everything's at red light, a red light right now, and all of a Hard sudden, green. it's just going to switch to green. All, all intersections, like yep. every every lane, is just green light. We're all just going to drive and and see what happens, and and uh, we'll we'll make acquisitions through trades. We know that we can't carry fourteen, you know, middle infielders. Most of them have never played at the. Almost all of them haven't even played at major league level, so yeah. they're gonna get traded. But it's just for what and and when and and how much will we really push them? And we'll see what the CBA dictates. Uh, who knows if we'll get a salary floor or not? But we'll we'll see. It could change everything. Yeah. So, you got anything else? Nah, man, that's it. So, 
All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you like what you hear, please make sure uh, to leave a review and like us and follow us on Twitter at 216BaseballPod, uh, TikTok as well. And you can also submit any feedback, comments, anything. If you want to come on the show, we'd love to have anybody on. Uh, yeah. No problem. 216BaseballPod at gmail.com. And make sure you follow the show wherever you get your podcast. That way you never miss an episode. And get those automatic downloads there. Get those uh, get those notifications. Look, help us out. Cra- and let us let's crack the top one hundred again. Yeah, true. Let's That's fuck around. Crack to the top one hundred. Yeah, fuck around. Find out. I don't know. Yeah. it is what it is. Uh, so we'll be back next Monday for episode fifty, which is crazy to think we're going to be there. Um, and we'll bring you. We'll see if we have any news on the lockout. But regardless, I think we're going to play a game. We're going to draft another baseball lineup of something fun. Paul yep. Edwards talking about it yesterday uh, on the phone for an hour, and we're getting pretty excited about that. So we'll we'll find a way to get through this long dark off season, and uh, and and there will be baseball once again. It's just going to take a lot of BS in between. Maybe so. maybe we get the we finally get the call to go be some replacement players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to see me out there throwing like 54 miles an hour. Nobody, <laughs> I'll, I'll, gun, gonna, I'll gun motherfuckers down. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. Just I'll be ride this, out on the field. I'll ride this bitch the wheels fall off. Hey, I'll take a league minimum salary. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, <laughs> in a all. heartbeat. 575000 Yes, please. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Anyway. What's crazy? So 500, oh. $570,000 like to a normal human being's life-changing money. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's crazy. You know, it's like doctor money, and yeah. and just you know, that's a lot of money. And to them, it's like yeah, it's yeah. Just a league minimum. It's it's crazy. You can do that just going being a catcher in a bullpen. True, which is your dream job. It is. We've talked about this. That's my dream job. Go be a catcher in a bullpen. Play catch for five hundred seventy million dollars. Heartbeat. Heartbeat. Yeah, twice. I do it twice. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. And guards up, baby. Guards up, baby. Let's go. Let's go.